Welcome to all those joining us for the Shir and Chaim Moharan. We're continuing in this section that's called Avodas Hashem. We're up to paragraph Tovkuf Yud Gimel, 513. Rav Nelson Zal writes that I heard it said over in the name of Rav Zal that by a person having faith in true tzaddikim, the person can be zeicher to a lot of money. And he said that we mentioned this in the Zmiras that we sing on Friday night. In one of the Zmiras, we say there, his reward is great. Ma'oid, we know, refers to money. The, the Gemara says that when we say in the Kriyashma, refers to all your money. Pa'olai is a term that's used to refer to tzaddikim. There's a Pasuk in Eov where the Pasuk says, Eten I will give righteousness to those who work for me, referring to the tzaddikim. And the Pasuk, that's why the Pasuk says, Al, al This means that through emuna in tzaddikim, through this, a person can be zeichet to this tzchoroi harbe moi. Because we know that emuna is dependent on a person's mouth. There's a Pasuk in Tehillim, Oidia emunascha befi. Hashem, I display my faith with my mouth. So again, by a person saying these words, a person singing this mirais on Friday night, and having mind that by having real emuna in true tzaddikim, this is one of the things that could lead to a person acquiring a lot of money. We know that there's a pasuk, ish emunais rav brachais, that one of the main requirements for bracha is emuna. Emuna. This applies to every kind of bracha. Rabbi Nezal brings that the, ter- the word emuna is bigimatria bonim. There was a story with one of Rabbi Nezal's tamidim, Rabdoiv, who didn't have children for a while, and he asked Rabbi Nezal, to please give him a bracha for children. So Rabbi Nezal said to him, you need to give tzedakah. So he said, I don't have, and he meant it literally, I don't have any money to give. So Rabbi Nezal said to him, then strengthen yourself in emuna. Emuna is also a form of tzedakah. There's a posseg, vehem in Bashem, vayachshaveho tzedakah, that Avram Avinu had faith in Hashem, and Hashem considered that like tzedakah, like charity. The next item, 514, Rav Nosan says that I I heard it again told over in the name of Rav when he says that it means he didn't hear this directly, but he heard it from a source that he trusts, that Rav spoke about several great true tzaddikim during his time. And Rav said that this one has... is. A, a little bit of capability of leading the world 
However, he doesn't have the benefit of coming from respectable parents. Then he mentioned other tzaddikim, who also, because of certain things that are lacking in them, they're not really qualified to be major leaders in Klal Yisrael. And then Rabbi Nezal said that this is similar to what appears in the introduction to the Zohar HaKadosh, whereby the Zohar HaKadosh tells us that when it came to Hashem creating the world, we know that Hashem created the world with speech. Bidvar Hashem Shamayim Nasu Uberu Apiv What speech? Loshen Kodesh. So the Zohar HaKadosh has an incredible discussion about how each one of the letters came before Hashem, offering to be the first, the one to open up to begin creation with. And each one gave an explanation as to why they thought they should be the first. And Hashem's response to each one was that you're beautiful, you're very special. And in some of the cases, Hashem explained what was special about that letter. However, I don't want to create the world using you because of the following reason. And in each one, Hashem gave a reason, the letter Tuf, and they came in in reverse order, Tuf, Shin, Reish, Kuf, etc., etc. And this takes up a few pages in the Zohar HaKadosh. So Rabbein Azal said, so too regarding Tzadikim. There are among the Tzadikim those that are beautiful and special, and yet still they're not qualified to lead the world, to be world leaders. Interesting that in some of the versions of Chaim Aran, it has what I'm about to say. Some of them don't. This is one of those Hashmotos that was left out from the printing of some of the Chaim Arans. It's brought that Rabbein said that when a candle is blown out, it becomes dark. When many candles are blown out, it becomes very dark. The brighter the light the greater the darkness that follows after that light is gone. And Rabbein Azal said that when the Tzadik Reb Gedalia of Linitz, who was the one who wrote the Sefer Shvoche Habal Shem Tov, when he passed away, <clears throat> the light that he brought to the world was extinguished. However, the darkness wasn't that great because Reb Gedalia was like a small candle. He brought light in his city of Linitz, he was a local tzaddik. He was a tzaddik for the people of his city. Not as great a leader as Reb Shalom of Prabich, who was also one of the students of the Mizritch Magid, whose light was wider. He had wider influence in the world. And when he passed away, Rabbi Nezal said the darkness was much greater. And Rabbi Nezal said, it wasn't for naught that I was sick for three days after Reb Shalom passed away, I knew that I would feel, I would feel his passing more. It's interesting to know that there's a chapter on Likud Imran, I believe it's chapter 14 in Likud Imran, which Rabbi Nezal said, I believe, on a Shabbos Hanukkah, which was around the time that, that this Reb Gedalia of Linitz passed away. And in the chapter in Likud Imran, Rabbi Nezal includes the fact that we don't eulogize on Hanukkah. And Rabbi Nassim writes that he included that as a form of a eulogy for Rabbi Gedali of Linitz. He had passed away at that time, and Rabbi Nezal wanted to make note of it, wanted to make mention, because Rabbi Gedali was a great tzaddik. There's a story about Rabbi Nezal traveling to him at one point. 
Rabbeinazal, or Rav Nosanzal traveling to my belief. There was a whole question of where where uh, where the Rabbeinazal's parents were not happy with his decision to join the Hasidim, and they tried to get word to Rav Gedali of Linitz to say something to him about it. And and in a certain way, Rav Nosanzal was able to avert it at the time. I believe that was the story. Together with this, Rabbeinazal made a comment regarding this issue of different leaders, what, different people wanting to be leaders and not necessarily being qualified. And he said it's actually like the comedy of Achashverosh regarding the story of Purim, that we find in the story, one of the characters is Mordechai Sadik, And on the opposite end of the pendulum, we have Homon Arosha. And, and Rabbi Nezal said that, again, that, that uh, I always wondered, why was this person Mordechai and the other one Haman? And he said that this is how things unfold, that sometimes we don't know why is it that one person has greater influence, one person has less influence. One person ends up being on the side of good, and the other person, Lahavdil, ends up being on the extreme opposite side. These are some of the things that we don't necessarily know that only Hashem knows where each person ends up. Then Rabbi Nassau made a comment and he said that it could be compared to taking a monkey and dressing the monkey in a pair of pants like a human being and other clothing, looking, being dressed like a human being. And people hand the money, monkey money, he takes it, and he puts it in, in a pocket in the pants. And this becomes like an attraction. People are looking at this. This is interesting. Had to see how the monkey accepts the money and puts it in his pants. And that what happens afterwards? The owners of the monkey take this clothing from him, and they divide the mon- money among themselves. And Rabbi Nassau was hinting again to certain cases where there are people who are collecting, collecting, and people that are giving monies to them, and they don't necessarily know who they're giving to and what they're giving. They don't realize sometimes the person figures, I gave Stelka, I gave here, I gave there, but they don't necessarily check carefully or make sure that they know whether the cause is real or, or not as real. Any questions? Are there any guidelines that the Rebbe gives us about how to check what's real or what's not real? Are there any guidelines that Rabbi Nassau gives to be able to check whether something is real or not? The answer is that the, 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 the whole Torah, the Torah is the book of Emes, and especially Rabbi Nassau's teachings are trying to bring us closer and closer to the Emes for a person to be able to, to differentiate between MS and Sheker, and within MS to be able to differentiate. One of the things that the Shulchan Aruch says is, and Rabbi Nezal mentions this also, that just like when it comes to a person making a financial investment, most people that are not really knowledgeable and experienced in the field of finances, mm-hmm. they're not going to trust themselves, they're not going to rely on themselves that uh, I'm a, this looks like a good investment. I'll put my money in here. 
they look for an investment advisor. They look for somebody who comes recommended, number one, and somebody who they see has a lot of knowledge and experience. And I can trust this person, that this person will put my money into a place. And again, they examine, they check carefully that I'll put my money in a place with a person who I trust that I can rely on this person, that they'll bring me the best results, the best profits. Lahavdil, when it comes to tzedakah, where the investment is a thousand times more important because the other case, the regular finances, it's money that a person is spending in this world. The stuff that a person gives, the person expects to receive the benefits of it in the future world, especially. So there it's even more important that there should be a concept of a gabai stucker, someone who has more knowledge and more experience than I do, than ordinary people have, and knows what the best place to put this stalker, where I'll be able to get the most bang for my buck, that kind of thing. In addition, we find when it comes to stalker, that the Shulchan Aruch and the Gemara again point out that there's a certain extra benefit when the person receiving the money doesn't know exactly who gave it, and the one who's giving the money doesn't know exactly who it's going to in terms of less embarrassing, many, many benefits in, in that. So that's another reason for this concept of a Gabai Tzedakah, someone who I can trust, somebody who I can really trust, both in terms of their knowledge and experience, and in addition, that I, I know that, that this way, I don't have to know, I don't want to know exactly who it's going to, and I don't want them to know that they got it from me. They shouldn't feel embarrassed in any way in seeing the one who gave them the money. The Gemara tells us of stories of, of rabbis who took major steps, sometimes extremely painful, when they saw that there was a chance that the poor person would know that I was the one that gave the money. A rabbi went into an oven, said he shouldn't be noticed, he shouldn't be seen, the other person shouldn't see that he was the one who gave him the money. The next item, 515. On a different subject, Rabbeinazal warned his students not to eat in a rushed way, not to gobble one's food down like a, a glutton, that term glutton. And Rabbeinazal said, because the Torah says that, the Torah attributes that to Esau Harosha, one of the most evil people of all time. And yet the Torah makes note of this particular fact that when it came to eating, he told Yaakov, Rabbi, you shovel the food into my mouth. He wanted to get a lot at one time. And Rabbi Nezal said that the correct way for a Jew to eat is to eat slowly with Yishuvadas, thinking carefully about what I'm eating and what I'm not eating and how much to eat and when to stop. And with Derecheretz, with tremendous respect, as if the same kind of respect that a person would have if they were sitting in front of a very important person. That's how a person should eat, even when they're by themselves. I remember of reading, not that we, we quote these sources necessarily, but I remember reading once in a place where they spoke about people watching their weight, not to get overweight. And they mentioned that one of the mistakes that people make, especially in recent times, People don't have time, in quotes. So number one, they're eating quickly, which is in itself a mistake. 
because when a person eats quickly, the food doesn't have the same effect on satisfying the person as it does if the person would eat that same quantity of food slowly, number one. And in addition, people want to be doing two or three things at the same time. So they're reading while they're eating. And a person doesn't realize, Rabbi Nezal says here, that eating should be done with yishuvadas. Because again, some people, if they're not looking at what they're eating, and if they're not focused on that, if they're reading or doing something else, they're distracted, and they'll end up eating much more than they would have had they not been distracted by what they were eating, had they been watching carefully, I'm eating, and I need to know when to stop. The next item, 516, Rabbein, as I said, there's a Pusuk that the Gemara quotes at the end of Tainus, where the Pusuk says, Zer Hashem Kivinuloi. This is the Hashem who we were hoping for and yearning for all the time. And the Gemara says that that's, there's going to come a time in the future when Tzadikim are going to point with their finger and they're going to say, Zer Hashem This is the Hashem. And Rabbi Nassau said, he said this in Yiddish, Exactly, it's to this Hashem that we put all of our hope in. And Rabbi Nezal said that there are tzaddikim in this world also that are zoichet to achieve that kind of thing as if they see Hashem now. And, and this feeling that this is the Hashem that I was always praying to and hoping for. And now they're zoichet, they're zoichet to experience such an incredible high level of, of realization of Hashem that they're able to say these words, Hashem this is the one, pointing with their finger, that kind of thing. The next item is a pretty well-known item that people quote about a statement that Rabbi Nezal said, that he, Rabbi Nezal said, I have complete trust and confidence in Hashem that any child that will be brought to me before the age of seven years old will definitely be pure from sin until their, till their wedding date. This is the statement in Chaim Aran, and we find in another sefer, Koich Ve'oyer, which was put together by the students of Rabbi Avram Barab And he writes there... <clears throat> that regarding this statement that Rabbi Nezal made, as far as we know, this was said specifically regarding Mikre Laila, regarding a person, Chas Vashon, having an accidental emission during the nighttime, which the Zohar Kodesh speaks about and the Sforim speak about, that that could be, Chas Vashon, a terrible, terrible sin. If it's being caused, by bad thoughts that the person had throughout the day, during the day, or the person was looking at something they shouldn't have or been thinking about it. And if that results in this type of a mikra, it's called at night, then chas v'shom, it's considered to be a major, major sin and causes tremendous damage. And, and he writes in Kuefeor that based on the, the timing when Rabbein made this statement, it seems that that's what he was referring to, 
because that was the, around the time that he was speaking about the Tikkun Chloe, and he adds that it also seems to us that Rabbi Nezal's intent was that this applied also after his passing, that any child that would be brought to Rabbi Nezal before the age of seven and would fulfill what a person is supposed to do when coming to Rabbi Nezal's kever, which is giving tzedakah on behalf of Rabbi Nezal's neshama and reciting the 10 chapters of Tehillim, that the child would have this shmira, this protection, till their wedding date. And he adds that I know of someone that tested this and, and was matzliach. And this is a known item in Breslov, that there are people that are aware of this that try to make every effort to teach the children at, the, at a young age to be able to recite Tehillim, to be able to say the words, so that by that age, by the age of five, six years old, they're able to say 10 chapters of Tehillim. Sometimes it takes time, it takes training, and they'll make an effort to make sure to bring the child there before the seventh birthday, before the child is seven years old. Any questions? The next item, 518, Rabbi Nezal says, I heard it said over in Rabbi Nezal's name that Rabbi Nezal said that there are people among my students, among people that come to me who sometimes become excited about Hashem, about serving Hashem and, and get to a very, very serious closeness to Hashem. And at that point, they're on such a level that even complete tzaddikim aren't necessarily, don't necessarily feel that level of passion and, and closeness to Hashem. However, however, there are times that they that lasts a certain period of time and then they fall away from it. So Rabbi Nezal said, if only, if only their hearts would remain. In that kind of a, with that kind of a passion, with that kind of a strong feeling for Hashem, for a length of time, for days and years, many years. Rabbi Nassim says, I also heard regarding this, that Rabbi Nassim mentioned that the, it's extremely important, the, the passion that a person feels when they're first starting, when a person is first starting to be religious. We're first starting to become more religious, to make a major, major move closer to Hashem, because at that point in time, the heart becomes very, very inspired and motivated. And it's very, very good for a person to try to hold on to that as long as possible, to try not to let go of it, to keep it going for as long as they can. And Rabbi Nassau commented, that the great Tzaddik Reb Zusha of Anapoli was a, an incredible Chiddush in this way, a, a, apart from other great Tzaddikim, that this Reb Zusha, he was able to keep going for a long time with that initial energy, that initial passion that he had, he was able to keep it going for a very long time. I remember hearing once about the Rebbe of Zusha that as a child, he was very stubborn, very stubborn. 
And when he got older a little bit, his mother reminded him about this. And she told him, you should know you have this in you. You have this ability when a child is stubborn sometimes, you can push them, you can hit. They won't give in no matter what. They're able to stick to their guns. And she told him, you should know that you have this ability. Now let's you use it for Kedusha. And it was known that in those days, they didn't have mikvahs like we have today, heated mikvahs, heated floors in some of the mikvahs. Somebody just told me this Shabbos about the Satmar mikvah in in in, in the Gula Me'esharim here, that the floors are heated, not just the mikvah. In those days, the floor wasn't heated, the mikvah wasn't heated. It was a river, a lake, generally. And during the winter time in Poland and Russia, these lakes became frozen. And Reb Zusha was one of the tzaddikim where that didn't stop him from going to the mikvah. He broke the ice, went in, went under, and didn't go under for a second and jump out. The water is tough, I'm tougher. The, the Akshonas, he was able to apply it here, that's stubborn. When I'm finished, that's when I'll go out. I'm, uh, nobody's going to rush me or anything just because it's freezing cold. That's no reason that I have to hurry. This using, applying this stubbornness the, the right way. This term, is a very well-known item that when a person first makes a, a major beginning, like a fresh start and coming close to Hashem, there's a, an incredible that Hashem gives the person an energy that's way beyond the person's normal energy. Just like when the Jews were in Egypt and it came time for the Jews to leave Egypt, we're told that for different reasons, they weren't, we weren't capable of showing the initiative that we needed to show to really deserve to be taken out. So Hashem pushed that aside and Hashem went in and beamed a very, very high, powerful light upon us on that night of Pesach, with which we were able to use that to be able to get out of Mitzrayim. But that very powerful light stopped. After the first day of Pesach, it stopped. And from the second day of Pesach on until Shavuos, Hashem expects us to build up to it, to start from the ground level. We start counting the Omer. We start from day one, the next day, day two, climbing a ladder until we get to 49, which is the highest that we can possibly go. And then on day 50, Kaviyoch Hashem reaches down to us again and brings us up. So it's brought that by ever writes that this applies to every single person. When a person needs to get out of Mitzrayim, when a person needs to get out of their tuma, out of a certain place of darkness, and sometimes the person doesn't have the strength to do it on their own, Hashem beams a certain light on the person. Hashem or the tzaddik, and it's called an isarusa delayla, an awakening from above, not from inside the person. It's a gift that Hashem gives the person where the person suddenly is able to do things that they never imagined they'd be able to do in Yiddishkeit. That they have a strength to be able to stay up late or get up earlier and do much, much more than their norm. And, and it lasts a certain period of time, and then it stops. Hashem removes that, just like when you're teaching a child to ride a bicycle at, or to walk. At first, the parents hold both hands of the child, where at first the parents are holding on to the bicycle and saying a two-wheeler and telling the person, and the, the, the child sees, well, I'm able to ride, I'm able to ride, but they don't realize it's only because the parent is holding on to it. 
And then gradually they let go to, to get the person. Kaviochel Hashem does the same thing regarding our growth in Yiddishkeit. And here Rabbi Nassau is telling us that it is within our power to try to stretch it a little, to try to get maximum, maximum time in this energy of the Haskola, of the beginning. That's one thing. And in addition, we've mentioned many times that Rabbi Nassau said that he himself made a new beginning every day and sometimes multiple times during the day. So that every time that a person really resolves on making a new beginning, a fresh start, that's an opportunity for Hashem to give the person that extra energy. The next item, 519, Rabbi Nassau says, Rabbi once said to me that everything you see in the world is purely for the sake of Bechira. That's what it's, that's everything. Everything you see going on is there for the sake of man, for human beings, and to give us the ability constantly to be faced with choices. And we have to choose the right thing to do versus avoiding the wrong thing to do, whether it's to look, whether it's to listen, whether it's to touch, whether it's to go, whatever it is, that that's really what everything revolves around. And, and we find that in Sichai Saran, in Rabbi Nachman's wisdom, Rabbi Nassim says a similar item, and there he's talking about emuna, faith, that everything a person sees around them is, is also a challenge for our faith to see if I'm going to use this to increase my emuna in Hashem or chas v'shom, the opposite, is going to challenge my faith in Hashem. And that's where the main Bechira is. Because we know that the entire Torah called Secha Emuna. The entire Torah is really about this item of Emuna, faith in Hashem. So everything going on around us could be used as something that will motivate me to strengthen my Emuna in Hashem. Or Chas V'Shalom, the Yitzhahara, the Satan, trying to, to cause the opposite. The next item, and then we'll take questions, 520. And this is, again, this is something that's been printed in many of the Breslov shuls. When we get together for Suda Shlishis, for Shalashudas, that's a time, usually the Friday night meal people have at home, the Shabbos morning meal they have at home. Among Hasidim, it's a very, very important custom to get together, for the men to get together for because that's the climax of Shabbos. That's the most important meal. That's the time of the greatest where there's an incredible bright spiritual light that comes down at that time, at the time of and when people, when men get together to eat together, to sing together, to sing the Zmiras of Shabbos together, and to hear Divrei Torah coming from a high source, that's considered to be the peak, the peak, the climax of Shabbos. So many of the shuls have printed Zmirais, the Zmirais, the special songs that we sing at Suda Shlishis in order for people to have it easily in front of them, together with Birka Samozim. So many of them have printed this next paragraph that we're going to do right now in Chaim Aran. Many of them have printed this paragraph to motivate all those that are there 
to realize how important it is to join in the singing. Rav Zal tells us that Rav Zal loved the simple avoidos pshutos of the simple people that have respect for Hashem. The ways that they served Hashem with tremendous simplicity, Rav Zal had tremendous respect for that. And he loved, he really loved, a person who was able to read a lot of trinois and bakoshois in the fat sedurim that they had in those days. In the Ashkenaz world, the people who spoke Yiddish, for the women and for some of the men, the simple folk, they printed, they had these fat sedurim that had in them many trinois, all kinds of prayers for children, for other things in Yiddish, written in Yiddish, and there were people who would read one prayer a day. There were people who could sit and read 10, 20 pages, 30 pages. They enjoyed these because these tefillahs were very, very simple and, and heartfelt. And Rabbi Nassau loved people who were able to, to read a lot of these tefillahs. And he mentioned, Rabbi Nassau said, I envy a certain person, the son-in-law of this and this person. We don't know exactly who it is. It's a Roshay Tevas. The first letter of the person's name is with the Yud. doesn't say who it was. And Rabbi Nezah said, he's able to say it for a long time. He's able to say it for an hour or two, these trinois. Rabbi Nezah went on to say that he, he envies a person like this. And Rabbi Nezah adds that Rabbi Nezah himself, before he contracted tuberculosis, the last three years of his life, he was sick with tuberculosis where it was hard for him. Speaking was difficult a little bit, and singing even more difficult. It could lead to coughing and coughing up blood, a lot of phlegm. So until then, until that time, Rav Nassar writes that Rav used to sing a lot of Zmirois throughout Shabbos, Friday night, Shabbos morning, Sudashlishis, and Malava Malka, to sing all the, all the Zmirois. And Rav Nassar says, any person who wasn't privileged to hear how Rabbi Nezal sang Azamer B'Shvochim on Friday night or Asada L'Sudos on Shabbos morning and the other Zmirois called Mekadesh, Menucha V'Simcha never heard anything in their life, meaning that this was incredible to hear the incredible love and heart that Rabbi Nezal put into the singing. And he writes, Ashrei to the ear that was Zecha to hear this, and Ashrei to the person who will be privileged to hear this in the future when Mashiach comes. And this is something that's stressed very, very much. All of my rabbis in Breslov, Rav Rosenfeld, Rav Michal, and I've seen it everywhere, to, to realize the importance. We know that the, the Zohar Kodesh says that when Levi was born, the Torah tells us he was given the name Levi because his mother said, Hapam Now my husband will be deeply attached to me. Why deeply attached now? So Rashi quotes the Gemara, which says they were, Yaakov Avinu had four wives and he was supposed to have 12 children. As soon as she had her third son, she knew that she had filled her quota. She had reached Shlemus. So she said, Hapam the Zohar Kodesh says that there was another reason, that because the Leviim were the ones who did the singing and musical instruments in the Beis HaMikdash, 
That's why she said, Hapam Yilove Ishielai. Yilove means Dveikus. And the Israel Kodesh says, the deepest, most powerful connection to Hashem is through song and music, song and music. And this is why this is something that's always important. We know that unfortunately, now that we don't have the Beis Hamikdash, the Shulchan Aruch tells us that we're required to limit music in, in, at, at ordinary times, during ordinary times. We know that in Yerushalayim, for example, in the Ashkenaz world, the custom is that at a wedding, there's no band, they have a drummer, a drummer, just a drummer, or some people will have one instrument only, a piano, an organ, something like that, to limit the music because of the fact that the Beis Hamikdash was in Yerushalayim. And we want to show that we recognize the fact that that our status, that there's no Beis Hamikdash today. But but on the other hand, we know that it, when there was a Beis Hamikdash, one of the most important elements was the singing and the music that accompanied all of the Korbanos, all of the Avodah. In the Beis Hamikdash, it took place seven days a week. On Shabbos, there was music and singing. That's how important, that's how special this is. And Rabbeinazal put tremendous emphasis on this. The Arizal says that the word azamer in the Zmiris, we say azamer bishvochen. I will sing the praises of Hashem. The word lazamer means to sing, and the word lazamer in Hebrew means to cut. Sodcho loisizro vecharmacho loisizmo, the Pesach says, that during the Shemitah year, do not cut the grapes from the grapevine. And the Arizal says that one of the most powerful things that cuts away the klipos, the forces of Tuma, is the zmirois. The zmirois, that's why it's called zmirois. The zmirois on Shabbos, on Friday night, Shabbos morning, Sudashlishis, Malava Malka. And in Breslov, this among Hasidim in general, this is a very special thing. But in Breslov especially, just about all the different zmirois that are found in the Sidurim, in the <clears throat> books of zmirois, there are beautiful tunes that accompany them. And in recent years, there were recordings made of the Zmiros that if anybody wants to learn the Breslau Zmiros, they're available. Any questions, please? The next item, 521, <clears throat> regarding the incredible benefit of bringing forth new revelations in Torah, which Rabbi Nezal said is a major tikkun for any sinful thoughts that a person might have had throughout their life. Rabbi Nezal speaks about this in Likut Imran, in the second book of Likut Imran, chapter 105. <clears throat> and Rabbi Nezal writes that I heard from Rabbi Nezal many times, he spoke about this many times, how important it is for those people that are on the level, that are on a madrega, that they learn Torah deeply to be able to find new revelations, new revelations in Torah, in every facet of Torah, whether it's in Halacha, in Drush. And Rabbi Nassau said, even one item, one chiddish in, in Torah is also very special and a major tikkun for the person. In addition, he said that it's a major benefit for the neshamas of one's parents who have passed away, parents or grandparents. 
And Rabbi Nassau commented that I've already given you, my students, a kosher koyach hamedame. Koyach hamedame means the ability to compare one thing to another. We know that, for example, in the field of halachal, there are many things today that did not exist 100 years ago. A car, an airplane, the ability to travel across the timeline, within across the dateline in one day, to be in two different places where the timing is completely different. All of these things didn't exist before. So the question is, how do we know how to deal with these things as it applies to halacha? And the answer is that the great rabbis who are very learned in Torah, in Gemara, in halacha, in all the limudim, they have the ability to know, based on all the things that the Torah does write about, what could this be compared to? To what situation that is discussed in the Gemara and halacha, could this be compared to? And to be able, based on that, to be able to make a decision whether this is permitted or forbidden and how and what and when. This is called medame, the ability to be medame milsa to milsa, to compare one thing to another. Now we know Rabbi Nezal said that the Sahara, the evil inclination, he, we, we have to give him a new name, Koya Hamedame, because that's what he's all about. He's all about taking things that are bad and ugly and evil and making it look great, making it look exactly like something that's really good and taking something that's really good and make it look unattractive, unappealing, undesirable. So this item of medame is a very delicate item. If a person isn't pure, if a person isn't holy, if a person hasn't had the proper training, they'll make the wrong comparisons and come up with all kinds of wrong conclusions. So Rabbi Nezal said to the students that were close to him, I've already given you a kosher good koyach medame, meaning he was giving them permission to be able to be mechadesh in Torah. And he said, you have the ability, you have the you have the ability to achieve certain new things using your koyachamedame, and it's things which I can get to understand with sechel. Now the term medame also means imagination-like, which is like a step, it's we talk about thinking out of the box, that kind of thing. Imagination means imagining something that you don't usually see, that you don't see at all. It's beyond what we see and what we know, that kind of thing. That's where imagination comes in. Rabbi Nassau said to his students, you have the ability through your imagination to get to things that I have achieved through Seichel, meaning Rabbi Nassau's medama was obviously much, much on a much higher level. This topic of medame is discussed in several chapters in Likuti Maran, and, and Rav Nosnazal in Likuti Alochas discusses it in quite a number of places, because that's really what we are facing in this world. Rav Nosnazal made a statement after he delivered a chapter in Likuti Maran, I believe it's chapter 25, where he speaks about Koyach medame, and that was when he said, I think we have to give the Yitzhahara a new name. There's a medrash that says the Yitzhahara, the evil inclination, has seven names. You have to give him an eighth name, Medame, because that's what really defines what he's all about, what his power is. Because if somebody looks at something and it looks ugly, it looks bad, 
a normal, healthy person is not going to go for something bad. So the, 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 the power of the satan, what the satan has the ability to do is to make bad look good, to make it look really good, to re, repackage it, redefine it as if it's something, Coke is life. All the different advertising and marketing that's done for things that are sometimes very harmful and very negative and made to look so good and so attractive and vice versa. To make serving Hashem, Rav Nosanzal writes in a place that we talk, serving Hashem is called avoidas Hashem. The word avoida means labor in a sense. Labor. And he said, Rav Nosanzal writes, imagine that's called labor. You tell somebody if you walk, 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 go, go down the block and pick up a suitcase with a million dollars, would you call that labor? Would you call that work? Or would you call that pleasure? Is that walk work or is that walk pleasure? And, and again, this is the topsy-turvy that we find in our world. One of the famous stories in Siporimaisius, the 11th story, which speaks about the prince and the pauper that were exchanged, the exchanged children. That's one of the places where I met where Abnosanzal in explaining the story shows us this whole concept of Medame, that this is the this is the, the difficult challenge that we're dealing with in this world, all of us, that we're living in a world where we see things and we think we know what we're looking at sometimes. It it looks so obvious, it looks so clear. And, and unless a person has tremendous knowledge of Torah, or unless a person is being guided by tzaddikim, it's very easy for a person to see upside down, to see the exact opposite of what the real truth is. Any questions, please? The next Yes, please. Uh, so Rimlosen is saying that through studying Rabbi El's teachings, it is possible for uh, us to have an enhanced uh, imagination to originate Torah insights, as Correct. long as we can overcome. Okay, thank the, you. The, very, in, in, in this, he's referring to the students that were actually living with Rabbi Nizal and learned from him. But also, again, a person who studies Rabbi Nizal's teachings properly and well, the person's eyes are opened to see the comparisons that Rabbeinazal makes. The holy Kutemaran is constantly comparing one thing to another, showing how everything is connected and how everything leads into something else, showing you all the proper healthy connections. And if a person learns it properly, learns Rabbeinazal's form, Rabbeinazal's form properly, a person is given this ability, the ability to be able to to see the right comparisons, to have a, a healthy madame. The next item is also a famous item in Breslov. Rav Nosanzal says that Rav once told me about a certain great tzaddik from Lithuania, who was the author of the Shoirish Yesoid V'Shoirish His name was Rebbe Alexander Ziskind, a very famous tzaddik that lived around that time, that right before he passed away, he snapped his fingers like a person snaps their fingers. And he said, 
Ibigishpringen. Ibigishpringen means I made it. I made it across. I made it across. I got across this world safely without getting hurt, without getting messed up in any way. Meaning that he was he was incredibly happy about the fact that he jumped over this world, that the, all the time that he lived, however long he lived in this world, he understood that the, this world is a place of all kinds of distractions and all kinds of pitfalls. And he was through his Torah, through his tefillah, through his mitzvahs, to be able to jump over, to avoid and evade all the pitfalls, all the distractions, all the possible mistakes that a person could make during their lifetime. And Rabbi Nezal said, Ashrei how lucky is this tzaddik that he lived this kind of life. His sefer, Yisoyed V'sherosh is considered to be one of the very, very powerful Sifrei Musar and Sifrei Chasidus that comes from a Litvish Godoy, a Litvish rabbi, Lithuania. And he quotes the Zohar Kodesh throughout all the places where the Zohar Kodesh says things that are inspiring and motivating, he quotes it. He speaks about all facets of serving Hashem. It's like a, a an accompaniment to the Shulchan Aruch Orachayim about a person's life, a person's daily life, and how we serve Hashem on the holidays, Shabbos, Yontiv. It follows basically along the pattern of the Shulchan Aruch Orachayim. And he has beautiful insights from the Zohar Kodesh, from the Arizalf, from Sifrei Musar, to show a person how to really serve Hashem in a special, how everything about Yiddishkeit should be special. So Rabbi Nassau praised this tzaddik tremendously, that he was to be able to say this right before leaving the world, I made it! I made it across! And Rabbi Nassau told over another thing that this tzaddik had said, Regarding a posuk in Ashrei, which we say every day, Tehilas Hashem Yedaber Pi, the praises of Hashem, I speak with my mouth. And then it says, Shem And everyone can bless Hashem eternally. And Rabbi Nezal said, This tzaddik had tremendous humility. He considered himself like one of the smallest, lowest Jews. So he said, imagine, if somebody like me can praise Hashem, Hashem if I'm praising Hashem, then for sure everyone else can praise Hashem. Because they certainly aren't worse than me. And this is how he interpreted this sentence in Ashrei, you know, as inspiring and motivating that everybody should join in, in singing the praises of Hashem. The next item, 523, Rav Nosan says, I was once standing near Rabbeinazal when they were preparing his coat for the winter. In those days, they didn't necessarily have a different coat, a summer coat and a winter coat. They had skins, skins, rabbits, fur, that kind of thing that they would sew into the garment that the person would wear during the winter to keep them warm. Again, the Russian winter, the Ukrainian winter. And Rabbeinazal said to me then that whenever a person puts on a new garment, 
the person's face changes. And he said, even if the person is the greatest Talmud Chacham, very, very smart and intelligent, or even if he's the richest person, so you would think that to him, a new garment isn't any big deal. Somebody poor, they get a new garment. Wow, they're excited and it's so special. And you can see their whole face change that they're so excited. But a person who has 20 coats or or a person who's a tremendous Talmud Chacham, you would think, yeah, this, this wouldn't affect them. And Rabbi Nezal said, it's not true. Even a king, when a person puts on a new garment, there definitely becomes a change in the person and an actual change in the face of the person. And there becomes a change in, in the person's movements to know that this is something, you know, something outstanding. We know that when a person puts on an important garment for the first time, a suit, a coat, something of that status, is a bracha shechiyonu. We make an actual shechiyonu on a new garment, and it's brought that the person should say it together with the bracha mal b'sharumim. In the morning, every morning, we make a bracha, one of these series of brachas that we say in the morning is mal b'sharumim. If a person can, when they're putting on a new garment, to do it at that time, when they're going to be saying the mal b'sharumim, so first they say the bracha mal b'sharumim, and then they make the shechianu, a shechianu on a new garment. We don't do it just for a shirt or a pair of pants. If it's a suit, or again, in the case of a woman, an important garment, or really a coat, an important garment, there's this bracha, shechia, mal v'sharumim, shechianu, these special brachas. But here we know that the Sifrei Kabbalah speak a lot about malbushim, about garments, garments being vessels, <clears throat> garments and light and light that comes into these garments. We know, for example, we have the Shema Yisrael, and Borach Shem K'voyed Malchus And the Zohar HaKadosh tells us that Shema Yisrael is called Yichud Ilah, a certain very high-level Yichud. Borach Shem K'voyed Malchus is a lower-level Yichud. Each one of them has six words. <clears throat> Shema Yisrael has 25 letters. Borach Shem K'voyed Malchus has 24 letters. And it's brought that the Boruch Shem Kvoid Malchus, I believe it's Boruch Shem Kvoid Malchus Voed, the numerical value is 332. Let's do the math. Beis and Shin, 302. And Chof is 322. And 40 is 362. And Lamed is 392. And Vov. Is three ninety eight? Is the word lavesh? No, that's not it. It might be the first letters of Shema Yisrael. We'll have to look into it again. It's a shim. The next two items are also related to this topic. Rabbi Nezal said that that the Balshemtoiv, when he put on a, a garment that wasn't sewn properly, wasn't sewn exactly properly, they, a tailor had made a garment and it wasn't sewn a hundred percent correctly, the Balshemtoiv would say to do a pigeon for him, to do an actual pigeon, meaning he understood that this wasn't stam, that this indicated that there was something that needed a tikkun, something that needed to be corrected. One more incident related to clothing. 
Rav Zal says <coughs> that one time when Rav Zal was putting on his zibitzo, which is a, an outer garment, which was gray, the color of it was gray, Rav Zal commented on Friday night that there's a pasuk v'onoichi ofor v'efer. I am dust and ashes. We know dust and ashes have that grayish color. So Rabbein Azal said, <clears throat> And again, any action he did was always connected to Torah. It was always Torah. He saw the Pasuk. He saw the, a message in it for him. A message for him to take. This is the Pasuk which Avram Avinu said, pre- pre- uh, presenting his feeling towards how, how small he felt, how tiny he felt in the presence of Hashem. Any questions, please? Ah, I see in the in the um, chat somebody mentioned the the Baruch Shem Kvod Malchusamver is makes up the first letters of the word Malbush. Um, it is. Is that Malbush it? Malbush is uh, no three seventy eight. Ah, that's it. That's it. So that's what it is. That the, the first letters of the words Baruch Shem Kivoid Malchusalvet make up this word Malbush, which is a garment. And it's interesting, it's brought in the Sifrei Kabbalah that those six letters, Beis, Shin, Chaf, Mem, Lamed, Vav, are the only letters in the Hebrew alphabet that precede Hashem's name Yudke Vavke. We find throughout the Torah, we have the word Bahashem al Timroidu. Do not rebel against Hashem. That's a base in front of Yudke Vavke. Ashrei Ha'om Shehashem Eloikov. Shin Yud. Chof. Mi Kahashem Eloikeinu. And so on and so forth. Lahashem Horatzim Loyoi. That these letters are called Royei Pene Hamelech. These are the letters that see the face of the king. These are the letters that come before Hashem's name, Yudke Vavke, the opening letter of Yudke Vavke, which is referred to as the face of Hashem, Kaviyocho. The face, Rabbein Azal said here that there's a connection that when a person puts on a malbush, a new malbush, their face changes. These letters, malbush, are the letters that precede the face of Hashem, Kaviyocho. You know, that, that letter Yud. Should be to be able to learn all the lessons that we can from every sefer, especially Chaim Aran, and it should especially increase our emunah sadikim, our 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 desire to come close to Hashem, and be to get to see the complete and final gula with the coming of Moshiach, the binyan beis hamikdash, b'mehera b'meinu, amen v'yomenu.